a number of times we return to John chapter 5 and we have read about the man who was bound with that sickness for 38 years and the Lord's question to the man was do you want to be made well? And we have seen how the Lord had an answer for him if he had an answer to the question. And uh, the man answered, I, I want to jump into the pool where I can get that deliverance. That's all he knew. And we have seen that the Lord breaks us out of the box of our limitations. You know, the access to how we think that we should be healed or what means. Everyone flocked to this place where they received the healing if they were the first one to jump in when the angels stirred the waters. But the Lord had another way where anyone who gets into contact with him who has appeared on the scene with faith, everyone gets healed. We've seen in the Gospels that as many as touched him, they were made whole, instantly made whole. So this shows us that God has different means to communicate his word and his deliverance, his healing. We may go to a place where we hear the word of God. It is the word of God. Depending upon how the word of God is expounded, whether it's done by the Spirit of God, and depending upon whether the recipient exercises faith, a measure of healing can result. But then if the Holy Spirit is present, as the Lord Jesus was present, in a very direct way, that is unlike what the people have experienced before, then much more can happen. And we see that here. It was God who sent the angel. It was not an angel from below an evil angel, it was an angel from God that stirred up the waters. It was God's intent to heal the people. And they saw that whoever entered into the water when the water was troubled or when it was stirred, that person would get healed. This is what they observed. And obviously it was happening, otherwise they would not congregate there. So there was a measure of blessing coming from there. But then when the Lord of the blessing shows up and he says, as something greater that you didn't know about, by me speaking to you directly, you can have the breakthrough that you couldn't get because there was a limitation. What was the limitation? In this case, a person's handicap, a person not being able to jump in first. And so there are many people going to churches that have limitations. The limitation may come from the exposition of the word, not fully taught, accurately preached. It may come from a lack of exercise of faith. It may come from cynicism or unbelief because a person has seen too many fake things. It may come from the lack of opportunity to go by the way that that church or that preacher has set up to get access to the healing. But then there's another place where when the Holy Spirit is present in a very tangible way, 
massive healings happen many times instantaneously. Sometimes on the way home. Sometimes the next day. Sometimes during the week. But something has happened. It was God's will that the people would get healed. He's the one that sent his angels to stir the water. But it was a limited opportunity. That's very clear. And yet God was saying, as he does progressively revealing his will, we are enjoying the new covenant with the blessing of the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. The Israelites were blessed tremendously when they obeyed God, but they didn't have access to what we have now. As far as they knew, they followed God, and that was the limit or the extent of their horizon, how much we can get, based upon revelation and provision. Now we have so much more. Now if we live in the Old Testament, and not avail ourselves of the Spirit's power and what God has provided in the new, we are essentially and effectively dead to the new wine that God has for us. So churches abound in that same way, and so do Christians. There are massive amounts of publications, online services, churches everywhere. But the question is, first of all, is there any stirring of the waters, period, where people are getting touched, even if it's one person? If that's not there, there's no reason for us to be there because that shows that the God that they're serving, regardless of their lip service, is impotent. But then there are places where the water is stirred and the people go, but it's a limited opportunity based on the factors just given. Then there's a place where God shows up every time. And as many as touch him that day, equal opportunity. What a contrast. What a revelation. Could this be the reason why people struggle? And they're in the word. They carry the devotionals with them. They read them on the buses. They look at the devotionals on the phone. They try to immerse themselves in the word. And they pray and they follow the pastors leading and all the instructions, and they have fellowship, but there's an emptiness, there's a void. They're not connecting to the power of heaven. There's a faint connection, if at all present. God is speaking to us, showing us that we can have full contact with the living God and avail ourselves of the massive provisions He's provided and not live in the wilderness based on the old wine. This man had a sudden change in his entire being because God opened his eyes just like he opened the runaway slave wife of Abraham right there in the desert. The eyes were opened to see water. And when once someone drinks of that water, is it justice? to keep that back from people or would we be so excited to say there's a place where there's equal opportunity and full connection with God available is a provision Jesus showed up and the man received everything including more than he asked for 
he was looking for physical deliverance so that his quality of life would be better. God is looking, as we heard yesterday, for the spiritual deliverance, for an eternal difference in the person's life. And our outlook must be the same as God's. We must long for people to come to know God, never mind the earthly blessings in comparison to the spiritual heavenly blessings. Oftentimes, though, God comes through the physical limitation and infirmity. There's a person, for example, who is so shy and so fearful that as a student, when the person goes to class, a schoolboy or schoolgirl, there's so much, so much of fear and so many thoughts of how to measure up and how to act, how to interact. And people can carry that for a lifetime. Always seeking to find some balance and never able to quite get it. And so they resort to distractions and pastimes. But the core issue is not solved. But when we come to Christ, he takes away our fears. Hallelujah. Because now the reference point is no longer me, who am frail and easily deceived by the serpent, working through the world and the world system, and who the beautiful people are, quote-unquote, and how they behave, how they look. And now we see the most beautiful person, the creator of the universe, we're drawn to him as if to a magnet. And we are given the fullness of life where Jesus says, there's no reason for you to fear anymore, I'm here. No reason for you to try to measure up to people's expectations. All you need to do is receive my word and live according to what I tell you. This man didn't realize that this figure that appeared suddenly and asked him directly, do you want to be made well? That he was out to make him well inside out for eternity and therefore once the physical infirmity was taken care of, the Lord sought him to tell him, don't mess it up now. Oh God, thank you for bringing me that warning. How many people like warnings? I believe many people appreciate warnings in this natural world. When the appliance comes with the instruction, be careful not to let water get into it, you can get electrocuted. When the app on the phone advises of hazardous conditions on the road where people have slipped, has been killed. Very thankful for that warning to avoid the same mishap. But when it comes to the Lord, how much more grateful we ought to be. Because God is perfect. And every time and any time He comes to us with a word of caution and warning, as He did to this man, He healed him, He loved him. God never heals without love. Love is what motivates the Lord to heal. He had compassion on the multitude and therefore he did what he did. He fed them. He healed them. He delivered them. The Lord 
is the reason why we are alive today. And we have the measure of freedom and comfort that we enjoy. But compassion motivates the Lord to stretch out His hand and heal. Compassion motivated the Lord to find this man to tell him, you're living in a three-dimensional world, limitations of time and space. But there's an eternal reality, and before you know it, the healing that you enjoy will come to an end because you will leave this terrestrial plane to go into the celestial realm. At that point, the healing that you need to survive and thrive is a spiritual healing of the heart. Do you have that? If you would walk into that and remain in that, you have to stay clear of sin. That's what the Lord said. Oh, so unpopular. Very unpopular today, unfortunately, in these last days. For people to hear a preacher say, from God, not just hammering people left and right, but from God, from His Word. Such as in John chapter 5, when the Lord warned this man, we read the story. We say, Lord, what is the takeaway from me? Surely I'm not just reading a story to feel good, like some kind of Sunday school reading or a bedtime tale. The Lord specifically found the man. Afterward, verse 14, he found him in the temple. Jesus said to him, look, you've gotten your healing. Do not sin anymore, lest the worst thing come upon you. God wanted to take that disease causing self-will and stubbornness, evil desires, out of the man. He sought him to set him free forever and to bless him and take him into heaven. As we mentioned yesterday, how awful for a person to receive physical healing and get something even better than hitting the lottery. Become a millionaire, be able to exercise, be the epitome of a self-made success. And even live a long time, a hundred years, which is very rare as we know. Have all of the ability to win people over and make a name for oneself only to, at the end of that century of the good life, quote-unquote, enter into an eternity of the most horrible existence imaginable. Wouldn't that be a cheat? An utter deception? But God is not like that. He knows. He knows. Just like a good parent who cautions a child who is so successful in sports, so successful in education, and the child's head is growing by the minute. Self-made success. I've got it. And the parent that has any semblance of wisdom would monitor that child and see the direction this child is headed is going to take the child for a big fall. I better say something. And take little Johnny aside and say, Johnny, you know Daddy loves you. Mommy loves you. And we're so happy of all the things you've been able to do. It's really outstanding. We want to tell you the true meaning of success. Starts with your attitude regarding yourself, other people, 
that's the minimum we would expect any wise parent who doesn't even know God because they can see the road this youngster is headed toward. Now, the life-controlling issues would have no way of finding solutions by a mere external success. Muscle and mind cannot solve life-controlling issues, but an adherence to virtue, a reference point to morality, to be able to have self-control. Yes, even in the natural world, without God, people understand when there's no self-control, no control, accidents happen. Wreckages happen. But for the believer, how much more so? To say, Lord, I want you to teach me. God, I'm open to every caution you want to give me. God came to a man that he healed, dramatically altered his life. That man could have felt, I'm walking on the clouds right now. 38 years, if the man was born in, let's say, 10 B.C., Maybe he was 10 years old or 15 years old when this infirmity came. We don't know. Maybe by the time of 30 BC, uh, 30 AD, and if he was born 15, 20 BC, adding 38 years, just watching the calendar pages flip, I'm still here. There's no momentum forward. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm cursed. But I heard that there's some steering happening over there i got to get down there because I, I'm hearing that people are getting touched. There's something about an angel coming down at a certain season and when the water is suddenly stirred, mystically, supernaturally, nobody's touching it. There's no wind. There's a visible motion and the guy that just dumped, jumped in with leprosy, he came out whole. The other one that had blindness, they got that person inside, he came up seeing. i got to get over there quick. He heard that. He went there. Hope's disappointed because the limited access. And then the, the one that has all access shows up and he says, I'm coming for you. Don't worry about anyone else. Hallelujah. The man received it. He got made completely well. You think that life is wonderful. There's nothing else. What else is there? If a man is blind and he gets his sight, there's no limit to what he can do, is there? Is there a limit to the evil that he can now do, now that he can see? We spoke yesterday about the abuse of the blessings of God, which God cautions us as a good Heavenly Father. He says, the newfound freedom you have that I've given you as a gift, use it for God's glory and for the good of other people. Don't abuse it. How many people have lost healings because they've abused their freedom? But how many people have been wooed back by our loving Father who says, now, it didn't have to happen. I can take you back. I can set you straight. Thank you, Jesus. But who would ever know this unless the message is preached? How many people blindly go and as soon as they get well, I want to hit the town. I want to go sightseeing and I want to do this and I want to go to that place and this place. 
sad, but some Christian people's lives, as you see on social media, revolves heavily around the foods that they eat, and they're so proud of it. There's nothing wrong with sharing a happy time. It's a blessing to have food and a blessing to be able to eat it. Uh, it's a blessing for it to go past the taste buds and into the stomach. A blessing to assimilate and incorporate it into our bodies as useful fuel. Hopefully to use the fuel to take the car to do good and not evil. It's a blessing, though, to have the food. And there, it's a blessing to share the joy and to give God glory. But, alas, how many believers on social media cannot even say, I thank God for this cherry pie that I was able to bake. And, hey, I've, I'm sharing it with my good friends and family. And we're all having a blast. How good God is. Is it so hard to do that? As opposed to, isn't this sumptuous? I can't wait to dig my teeth into this. And I feel sorry for this one because I got the last piece. And, well, humor has its place. But when you have a platform to glorify God, where is that glory? And how many people would like to talk about the freedom that they have to enjoy life but really not consider that it belongs to God. My life belongs to God. He's given me life. My body belongs to God. I have a body and it's functioning to the level that it's functioning, even if there are things yet to be done in my body. Oh, what freedom I have. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you. I've mentioned yesterday when I had that chronic asthma for 11 years, I used to envy other people who could walk without being bent over, gasping for air. Oh, my God. And then when I got well as a youngster, sadly, I thought I was Superman. I can do anything I want. It was wonderful. I went from zero to hero. In the process, there were times in which I got distracted and forgot God and the Lord had to chasten me and let me know I'm breathing because of his goodness. And the promises I made to him, when I was made well, I need to keep them. I'm so glad. I'm very thankful to the Lord. I hope you are too. Every time the Lord gets a hold of us and he takes us to the side and takes us to his office, sits us down and says, now you're living recklessly. Your prayer life is going down. You're not reading the word as you should, but you're congregating, you're fellowshipping. But how can you have a good, healthy, solid, genuine, horizontal fellowship with your brothers and sisters and people in the body of Christ if you don't have that vertical fellowship intact? I'm thankful God taught me many lessons. And I shared the lessons with other youths when I was 19, 20 years old. 21, 22. I told them exactly what God told me. Because I cared. God put compassion in my heart. I don't want them to go through life wandering church as usual with no diagnosis of the problem that the Holy Spirit sees when nobody else sees it. I'd rather have God as my teacher and hear people who speak for God accurately because I don't want to fall 
I remember a young man who told me on his fifth wedding anniversary when I cautioned him about him going to a place that would not be good for his soul or for his wife there was a place where it was blasphemous and I told him clearly why and I said out of love I'm telling you as he gained much from Pastor Ron myself my way of spiritual things and he was very happy God is doing tremendous things but he wanted to do what he wanted certain times and this one was a big no no I knew it's going to cost him and before he went there the next day I spoke to him at length risking my job being on the phone for his soul soul sake and that of his wife's and i thought he would be like me and say at least i don't understand it all but i trust you because so far everything you said is good for me and i've only benefited i've come close to god i've come to god first of all through you and my wife has also and maybe i need to rethink this and really understand more about it but i not going because you told me show me enough that it's not good well lo and behold his answer was i'm sure you made your mistakes in this journey on this journey let me make mine i felt like my heart just dropped i i could hardly believe what i heard perhaps because i was so involved in his spiritual welfare and thought that he would understand that it is God speaking through me to help him and I'm risking my job because I care about his eternity he had a quite a big fall and the trend continued unfortunately to the point where i remember clearly riding down to new york city to work in the famous junction grand central that area and i called him to see how he was doing or he'd called me after long silence because he chose his own path to mingle with people who were christians as he said but really not pursuing righteousness and he told me he said every person that i'm hanging out with is having a fall He said I wish I would have stayed with you in the ministry. This is what he said, God is my witness. He lamented. And I told him immediately, brother, you can come back. You can come back. God still has much for you. He was a man who felt the touch of God tangibly in his body. He felt the hands of Jesus physically touching his hands when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He saw his wife before she was converted, uh, saved. converted from darkness to light he saw her breathing threatenings overnight changing to become a follower of the lord jesus he saw so much but he opted out to not only leave a place of all access to the miracles of god and touch of god to a place of limited access to a place of no access the world just came into his life again 
and he was just trying to hold his head above water. How sad. How sad. People can have an alternate version of reality, which is really a pseudo-reality, and we can pick and choose, can't we? I can turn on my phone and watch anything I want. I can call up anyone I want. I can eat anything I want. I can build or destroy anything I want. I can do it all. Don't tell me what to do. Love on me, please. Just love on me. Can you show me some grace? I know I'm doing things that are bad, but who's good anyway? Didn't Jesus say, why callest thou me good? There's only one good. That's God. We're all sinners. We'll all be struggling. And so why don't we make the best of it by not name-calling and pointing fingers, please. We have enough of that in the world. I'm coming to the church to get healing. Can you imagine that man telling that to Jesus? Look, I'm, I'm really, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You just changed my life. I'm, I'm eternally grateful to you. But don't rain on my parade. I'm just starting to enjoy life. I want to hit the casino this weekend. I couldn't get out of my bed. Finally, I can dance. I can go to the beach. I can see things that I could never see. I'm sorry if... I'm going to trip here and there because I, I can hardly contain myself. I'm so excited. Maybe I need a little schooling, but not now. Jesus, not now. Don't tell me this. Jesus, I will never come back to your church. You hurt my feelings. You're condemning me? Why are you forecasting negative things, Jesus? The worst thing? You're full of contradictions. I'm going somewhere else where they love me. God have mercy. Coast to coast, continent to continent on the face of this earth in these last days. People do not want to hear the whole truth. They want a little bit of it. They can go and have their own parade. God is watching from heaven with tremendous grief. You know what he's asking, brothers and sisters? Will you be my mouthpiece to tell people the whole truth and nothing but the truth with love, but tell the truth? and the whole truth, nothing but the truth. The Holy Spirit can work. But if I become a people pleaser and user friendly, I myself will be held guilty with people's blood on my hands when I knew better. Oh my God. Oh, physical death is one thing. Eternal damnation is incomparable misery. And to think that I would have a part in that, oh yes, oh yes, if I know the whole truth, because I don't want to offend people in this temporal world, and because I'm interested in uh, the kind of money I can extract from someone when I give them what they want to hear, well, what's the difference? It's like a stage show, isn't it? Give the people what they want to hear. Sell the product. Come on. Tell them sweet little lies. Tell them what it can do for them, even though it can't. Make the sale. You get richer, they get poorer and become losers. God comes to us, he radically changes us to give us, you know what the first thing is? 
integrity. Integrity. No more sneaky business. You'll see that right out the door the moment Jesus comes in and everybody else's feet too. They'll say, this person does not lie anymore. This person doesn't pretend anymore. This person's radically changed. There's no saving face, image. What you see is what you get. Where'd that come from? It's really out of this world. But I can see it's virtuous and valuable. Maybe I need to ask that person, how did you change? And how come you have such a quality of life that you have peace that you never had before? It's the real Jesus. God came to that man and he loved him so much as he loves me and loves you. Oh, that we would read the word day in and day out. Every single word from Genesis to Revelation. He said, Lord, I've come to the conclusion this is where life is. Your word is life. And how can I take a partial drink? Oh, my God. I have time for everything else. Maybe that's the reason why you're not obeying him all the way because it's not in front of you every day. Maybe that's the reason why there's an open door for the enemy to work because the cautions are not just there in my mind. I've not looked at it. Maybe that's the reason why you're a spiritual handicap and you really cannot bring people to the Lord for genuine salvation. If I ask these questions of myself, God will give the answer. And it's the Holy Spirit that acts on the Word which is necessary for my heart to have the genuine fear of God and say, Lord, I cannot go on. Lord, I don't want to wait for another calamity, another disaster before I start asking, where's God and I need God? I don't need to have buildings come down and earthquakes happen and disease all over where I'm trapped to begin to look for God. Oh, I know better. I'm a Christian. We ought to pray, Lord, please help me. Never, ever abuse the freedom and blessings you've given me. I want to use every ounce of strength, every healing you've given me. Oh, God, every access that you've given me to honor you thoroughly and to bring people to do the same so the kingdom can expand. The gospel is not just the gospel of bailing out someone from the quicksand, sinking mire, but to set them on a solid rock to be bold, having the capacity to do spiritual warfare and the power of the Holy Spirit overcome the devil. As it says in Ephesians 6, and having done all to stand, to stand, victory, stand. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The only way is if I know his word. What did he say in Ezekiel? What did the Lord say to Jeremiah? What did God tell me to do in the book of Psalms? What about that passage in the book of Haggai? How many people are biblically illiterate? The illiteracy doesn't just equate to lack of ability to climb the success ladder. Illiteracy, biblically, 
equates to spiritual slaughter. We need the word to live. Otherwise, the eyes that even were open one time can become closed like Eve. We can go to the same old trap again. We need to hear the word of God. We need to be diligent to say, Lord, it's for me you're doing this, Lord. See the good mother. Tell the child. Don't run around with your shoelaces untied. But mom, it takes too much time. Besides, I'm having fun. Look at me. I haven't fallen yet. Listen. You're bound to fall if you don't do what I say. The child that's wise looks at the mother and says, you know what? She must know something more than I do. I better just do it. I don't want to have a fall. Mom loves me. Mom's smart. She's wise and there must be a reason why she's drawing my attention to this. I'm going to take care of it now. That child won't fall. He won't trip over his own shoelace or shoes. But then there's this other child that's typical of most people today. Oh, stopping and tying the shoelace. and I can fly through the sky, Mom. You don't know what I can do. I can even do a somersault holding my shoelaces. Eventually, we know what will happen. These examples and illustrations are meant to draw us to the gravity of knowing God's Word, spending quality time in the Word, saying, Holy Spirit, apply this Word to my heart that I can have the fullness of life and enjoy my Father's presence and flourish before Him. God, cause it to touch my heart permanently. And we can even go so far as say, Lord, give me a willing heart. I realize I'm, certain things I do, Lord, other things I have a hard time doing. I, I don't want the stubbornness, Lord. It's going to destroy me and other people, Lord. It's going to bring dishonor to a great name, Lord. Why should I be called a Christian? Why should I be called a Christ follower and be a part-time disciple? to bring confusion and dishonor to the cause of Christ. Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. You're my first love. I can't wait to get home to be alone with God. Yes, even in a family of seven, you can say, Lord, I realize you're my everything. I love my family, but I need you more. And I love you more. Therefore, I'll put you first. What would happen with these kind of alterations in our day-to-day routine, our old philosophy? I'll tell you what will happen. God's glory will come upon you heavily. God will use you to solve people's problems. They'll be radically touched, eternally changed. So many people who work for the Red Cross, so many people who work for the emergency services. There's capacities. So many people who work to raise awareness and uh, collect funds for some disease that's taking children's lives. So many people are engaged in this type of activity, activity, philanthropy, in charity. They have such a sense of 
satisfaction that they know they can't get it anywhere else. And they will be drawn to that, those type of people. And they'll be so overwhelmed with thankfulness and tears if someone could benefit from their efforts. How much more when you know God has just used me to be a spiritual fireman or firewoman. I just rescued a person quite literally through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus. As I shared the gospel backed up by a life that is really holy. And the whole trajectory has gone from south to hell to north to heaven. Hallelujah. How would you feel? I can tell you by experience how that felt for me. Beginning as a teenager. I just remember dropping on the recliner chair in my parents' house when I heard that my friend gave his heart to the Lord, began to read the Bible. A hunger and thirst, a genuine change happened. And that person was devouring the Word of God and happy and wanting to serve God and follow God, read the Word, prayed passionately. Whole life was changed. What happened to me as a teenager when I heard that? I felt like I went to heaven. I just was so overwhelmed. I said, Lord, I felt like this is what I want. This is what I want. I want to do God's will so that people can be saved. And I see there's a reward already. My spirit is overjoyed with heavenly joy. Hallelujah. Nothing else matters. God will take care of everything else. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This man was found by Jesus in the temple and he was told how to stay on that beautiful path, undefiled, full of righteousness shining on it, to be a worthy instrument to bring others onto that path. Doesn't that thrill your soul? Come to all access. Say, Lord, I understand clearly there are differences in the conveyance of your truth the factors involved my spiritual awareness is heightened as a result of this and I will be a wise person who will be able to tell the difference between lameness in the spiritual legs due to malnutrition spiritually due to lack of integrity in the ministry that I am supposedly receiving from of the truth a lack of the fear of God in my own life I'm not being taught that at all I'm being taught prosperity and health and wealth and how to be empowered and do this and congregate and connect with leaders and make a network and isn't that success? Christian success. Where's the fear of God to keep me from adultery for the rest of my life for eternity? Where's the fear of God to get rid of that gambling habit? Where's the fear of God to get rid of trying to produce an image that people like me even though it's not true? Where's the fear of God that says enough is enough? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. 
This is the path that the Lord was drawing this man to. He diagnosed his physical condition, instantly healed him, and he diagnosed his spiritual condition and instantly gave him the remedy that he must take three times a day to be made whole. Seven times a day, day and night. What is that medicine? The Word of God. As it is, undiluted, with the touch of the Holy Ghost. Something remarkable happens. Charles Finney was a lawyer, up and coming, born in Connecticut, the early 1800s. He was very successful, brilliant. And he started to go to the woods, this lawyer. He took leave from his law practice. He started going to the woods not to seek some kind of high or do some weird thing, but he went to get away from his success, which he realized was superficial to connect with eternal success. He cried for days. He said, Lord, I'm not saved. I know I'm not saved. Please help me. He had to come to the end of himself before he can receive from God. A remarkable thing happened. Not only did he get born again, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. This brilliant lawyer. And he said it felt like liquid waves of love. He said, I, I couldn't even express what was coming out of me. He was used in massive revival to the point where people said he would just stand on the pulpit or in a factory and lewd women, women who are immoral, who are working in the factory. The moment they saw him, they began to weep and weep and weep and they got born again. How did that happen? People would cry out when Jonathan Edwards would preach in the, in the awakening that happened in this, in this uh, country. Dia Moody in England, Smith Wilkesworth, and many other lady preachers. These women and men came to the end of themselves and they said, God, I'm going to burn for you. And I know I'll never, ever burn out. Hallelujah. I love you supremely. What does it matter how much crops I have and how much cattle I have, how much money I have in the bank, if I can't live for the living God and use it for his glory? Jesus said, use your money. The unrighteous mammon, in other words, you get money in this world which is corrupt. But he said, use it. For what purpose? To win friends for eternity. You want to use it to bring people to God. That's the right use of every talent, treasure, and time that God has given us. We have limited resources native to our individual persons under the limitation of time and space. But we have access, all access, open access, full access to unlimited resources from heaven provided we have the agenda of heaven on our minds 24-7 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these things we added to you may we desire that God would so radically touch us that you, when we appear in certain places heavy conviction will come to people and they will turn to God sometimes even without a word is it possible? Absolutely. But God says, 
but the kind of things I want to give, the way I want to use people who I have called into my kingdom, requires that they do something that I spoke through the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit to Timothy, that they purge themselves of all the ignoble things, this wishy-washy, sneaky business of trying to serve God and still have my own agenda intact and somehow use God to get my agenda going. Oh, my God. Blast that out of my life, Lord. I want none of it. I will never compete with you, Lord. You're my Savior. You're my Master. You're my Teacher. You're my Father. You're my God. I'm in awe of you. Tell me what to do. I have to purge myself of those earthen things to be that golden vessel in the hand of the Master. Hallelujah. For a tremendous eternal purpose. Sometimes we have to hear these things over and over again. I do. The Apostle Peter said to the people he was writing to, I know you know these things, but he said, I'm happy to remind you. I need to steer you remember something. That's what we need. The Word day in and day out. We need to be connected to where the Word comes undiluted and by the Spirit of God speaking right to the core of our being because that's where it starts, from the heart. From the heart are the issues of life. If the heart can be made right, everything will be fine. If the inside of the cup can be made really clean, the outside will be clean also. That integrity has to be there. Honesty. Brutal honesty regarding my heart. God doesn't want us to wail over it forever, but there is a period in which we need to be broken. We need to weep, yes. And then God will come and He will hug us because He'll see that the tears are real tears. There's genuine repentance. He'll lead us to teach us more about humility. These four pillars we mentioned before in the life training school. Honesty. We need to know what real humility is. Act like Jesus did. Not vie for position and having my voice heard, but just relax. Let God lead. He's in control. And the Lord will teach me more about holiness. It's far different one than what people think it is. Even in church, even theologians and pastors, they have a very skewed view of holiness where they can sit after a day of preaching and have dinner with the family and turn on the box or tune in to the late show. The defiling things, I'm not a part of that. I'm just, you know, I want to watch the news and it's a little funny here. You know what they do? I've seen them incorporate in their blogs, incorporate in the sermons. Filthy things. What do we have to do with the world? Couldn't get better resources from heaven to preach? And to tickle those people who effectively and essentially are goats. They eat garbage. They love it. That's why they go to that church. Oh God, have mercy. I want to be sheep, not goats. God will lead us from that honesty. It has to be there first. If there's no honesty, you can forget about it. If I want to be honest before the Lord and say, Lord, check me, clean me. Check me, clean me. Purify me, Lord. Every day, check me, clean me, Lord. I need you. I'm not going to go with other people's opinions about myself. 
I'm not even going to commend myself. Paul said, that's not wise. But whom the Lord commends, that's the person that's really blessed, justified. He'll move us from honesty to humility to holiness to this agape love in the Hebrew has said, loving kindness, where my heart just bleeds when I see people. They can look the part of success extraordinaire, man, woman, or child. Oh, they're winning the spelling bee. Their stocks are looking really good. Look, he's got a new car. Look at them. They're helping their families. Everybody's happy. We never had so much food in our life. Got a good head on his shoulders, that kid. You know what Hesed will do? Holiness will do? Humility and honesty from the Spirit of God? It'll break us up where we can see right through that facade. Like Jesus did. He thought Jesus would come and say, Beautiful you. Beautiful you. Look at you. Brand new fruit. Go ahead. Enjoy yourself. The Lord cared about him so deeply. He knew how that serpent will come right on the heels of blessing to say, now you're so high on heaven. You don't have to watch anything. Nothing's going to touch you. That's when the fall will come. The Lord told him, sober up. Be alert. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because the adversary, the devil, is coming. He's like a roaring lion. He's looking to devour you. Peter, Simon, Simon. Satan is asking for you. How could that be when he's right with Jesus? Oh, the devil has some latitude. He came and asked for Job. He came right into the presence of God. God, in his supreme wisdom, has given that latitude. It's good for the believer who understands and loves God. That believer say, bring it on. Devil, bring on anything you've got. Because I'm not coming to you in my strength. Like David, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. I'm walking with God. I don't fear you. Because my God is with me. Hallelujah. I'm walking with Him. I'm doing what He says for me to do. Bring on the challenges. Let the serpent come. Every time you get crushed. Because I have real fellowship with Jesus. God can use us as he really wanted to with this man. We don't know the rest of the story about this man. But I know one thing. God gave him that day that he found him, as you're hearing this morning, exactly what he needed. To be full of the Holy Spirit. Have all access to heaven. To be a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. This should be our burning passion. Our greatest thrill. Sincerely. And it should rub off on other people. Hallelujah. So they can get healed. They can get delivered. They can be saved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If the Lord spoken to you, you can go ahead and pray.